0: Wrestling invasion angles are the best. Seeing two promotions go to war is essentially like fantasy booking come to life, and even when they go bad, the Alliance, there's still some good to be taken away from it. Imagine then, if you will, a time where WWE, despite all of this, thought they were being conquered for real. I'm Simon for What Culture, please do hit that subscribe button, and this is 8 Times WWE Thought. They'd be invaded for real. Number eight, the Bullet Club on Monday Night Raw. Using Degeneration X's April 1998 invasion, where Triple H's crew actually did go to where WCW was being held and tried to sneak in, almost 20 years later, the Bullet Club thought they would do the same thing with WWE. Happening in 2017 outside of California's Citizens Business Bank Arena, Raw was all ready to go on the 25th of September as Cody and Brandy Rhodes, the Young Bucks, Marty Scurll, and Adam Page met with hundreds of fans who were losing in their damn mind. The group then demanded the company release Finn Balor, Luke Gallows, and Carl Anderson, who had all been part of the Bullet Club, and you would guess WWE wasn't all that pleased when Cody spoke to some of the people there who admitted their tickets were freebies. Rumors flew around that Vince McMahon was livid about this, hence why Matt and Nick Jackson shortly after received a cease and desist letter about their use of the too sweet hand gesture. More evidence was then thrown on the heap when producer Jimmy Jacobs was fired because he had met with them and snapped a pic. Whoops. Number seven, Matt Hardy loses it with WWE. Matt Hardy was not having a good time in 2005. Discovering that real life girlfriend Amy Dumas or Lita had been having an affair with his best friend Adam Copeland or Edge, it was Hardy that was fired when the situation became public that could not have been easy. A large reason for this was because Matt had poured his heart out online which sparked the fires a reaction that WWE wasn't overly pleased about. It gathered some real steam after he was let go though to the point some higher ups in the promotion were a little worried that Hardy may try and turn up to a lie event for real to stir up some more buzz. Thankfully cooler heads prevailed and instead he was rehired and the whole story was spun into an angle but this was a powder keg for a while The crazy part of the whole situation is that it was this that lit the Fuse for Edge to become a main event star. Wrestling is always so strange, you just never know where it's going to go. Number 6. Don't mess with Harley Race Harley Race is not only remembered as one of the greatest wrestlers in the history of the sport, but also as one of the toughest. An eight-time NWA world champion, Race was a constant with the National Wrestling Alliance, meaning for many years he was in direct competition with the WWF and then the WWF. As those two companies tried to outdo each other, Vince McMahon was meeting with a lot of the NWA's talent to try and convince them to jump ship. In November 1983, one of these conversations went down with none other than Harley. It was the timing of this that raised eyebrows after the fact. Just a week before the first ever Starcade, which was going to see race defend his title against Ric Flair, McMahon offered Harley $250,000 to no-show the event and bring his championship to the World Wrestling Federation instead. The sheer boldness of that. Race went into detail about this in his autobiography and how Vince tried to double-leg takedown him after he refused, given that Race was the monster, he calmly put McMahon in a crossface until he was done, or so Harley says. There's other stories as well, such as Race turning up to a WWF event in Kansas City with a gun to try and threaten Hulk Hogan, so you can imagine that at one stage, a lot of people were worried about how this may escalate. Because this is pro-wrestling, Harley would end up working for the company in 1986 and even had a feud with the Hulkster. I know The Undertaker has said that he loved all of this, I kind of think that it's good we moved on. Number 5. China arrives at WWE HQ Joni Lawler was a trailblazer for the women in WWE, and all of wrestling. She broke new ground as she went toe-to-toe with the men, and when she sadly passed away in 2016, it was a tragic loss for the industry. Just go back and watch her in her peak. Fans love China. Throughout all this, she also became the Intercontinental Champion, still the only female to ever do this, and was the first woman to enter the Royal Rumble. When she was inducted into the Hall of Fame alongside D-Generation X, you'd be hard pushed to find someone that didn't agree with it. This naturally got fans asking if she could ever be inducted for her solo efforts, a situation that is made all the more confusing given how she left the company in 2001. A combination of finding out that then boyfriend Triple H was having an affair with Stephanie McMahon, apparent attitude issues, and huge demands when it came to pay, meant her run was over and it stayed this way until an incident in 2015. Deciding she would go to WWE HQ and posted a picture on social media to prove it, China also requested a meeting with Vince McMahon or The Game before she was escorted off the premises by a number of security guards. I'm not really sure what she was hoping for if this was done to generate some publicity, but clearly WWE wasn't 100% sure if this wasn't something more legitimate, hence why she was blocked from entering. I don't really get what would have happened if China had even gotten this meeting. Maybe it would have helped heal old wounds. Number 4, The Performance Center Stalker So this is just a terrible story, and as we are here, a quick reminder that never do anything like this and for goodness sake think of the people in question, you are literally ruining their life. But Armando Alejandro Montalvo was the man who decided to continually stalk WWE's Performance Center, despite intervention from the company and even the police. Now yes, Armando is clearly a troubled individual, but when you try and invade a place of work where you have no place being, actions have to be taken. Even after being being banned, he wouldn't stop. And given that he has often turned up with buckets of urine and feces and started to smear it on the walls of the building, well, I don't think we need to go any further. It was so bad on one occasion that cops had to shoot him. And when he was summoned to court in 2020, Montalvo ignored all of the COVID-19 restrictions that had been put in place. For example, when he was asked to put on a mask, he wore a clown nose instead and said he was immune to the virus. The last we heard about this was that he was going to be standing trial in January. Whether or not that happened, we do not know. Number 3. Eric Bischoff and WCW A large reason why WCW became the industry leader in the 90s was because of how aggressive and forceful Eric Bischoff was. Be it behind the camera or in front of it, Bischoff didn't care who he may offend and just wanted to be number one. He would prod the bear known as the WWF and Vince McMahon constantly, and if they prodded back all the better, Eric wanted the friction. You can't argue it didn't work as WCW was flying for a few years, and while many tuned into Nitro for the wrestling action, there was another portion of fans that did so to see what the hell World Championship Wrestling would do next when it came to their competition. There didn't seem to be any line they wouldn't cross. This hit its pinnacle at 1998's Slamboree. On a Nitro beforehand, Bischoff came to the ring, grabbed a microphone... And challenged Vincent Kennedy McMahon to a fight on that pay-per-view. He didn't really think he would show up, but he couldn't lose. If he didn't, Easy E could gloat, and if he did, the views and the money that were about to roll in. Make no mistake about it though, Bischoff was serious about this and even consulted the likes of Hulk Hogan beforehand to see if Vince may actually go through with it. It was this brash persona that had some concern about how far he may go. Although, somewhat ironically, DX got in there first, as we've already mentioned. Number 2. Scott Steiner says he might murder Hulk Hogan. Allegedly, maybe. While Scott Steiner has become somewhat of a parody during his later years, do not get this confused. If you go back to his tag run with Brother Rick or any of his hard-hitting matches when he was on fire, that guy was great. The amount of suplexes he knew alone was stupid. The reason it all got forgotten about, though, is because if you were a Steiner, your promos were nuts. We all know the mathematics speech, which continues to take over the internet to this day. And when Scott transformed into Big Papa Pump, it was like this every week. He never knew what he was going to come out with, even after WCW told him, don't come out with that. The reason Steiner gets in here, however, is because of how WWE felt before the Hall of Fame in 2015. Why? well. After Freakzilla had bumped into Hogan's wife Jennifer at the airport ahead of WrestleMania 31, Jennifer claimed that Scott said he was going to murder Hulk. For the record, Steiner denied any of this happening and simply said he told Jen that allowing Hogan to induct Randy Savage into the Hall of Fame was a bunch of BS. Still, Hogan was worried enough about this that he asked WWE to sort it, which is why security were told to keep an eye out for Steiner, right down to having his picture on hand. I would hazard a guess, if any other wrestler was in question, no one would have been bothered. But that's Scott Steiner for you. His reputation precedes him. Number 1. Those Angry, Angry Promoters We all know the story. Vince McMahon decided he wanted to take over the wrestling world in the late 70s and 80s so that's exactly what he did. He turned the WWF into the powerhouse of the industry so much that now it's kind of become a one-stop shop. The old territory system that had supported the business for years had been wiped out. McMahon did this too by hiring all of his rival's best stars and even telling his competition that if they didn't accept his buyout offers, they were still going to fall regardless. Given how long the system had been in place, they thought this young upstart was full of it, meaning when he was correct, the rage was even more real. Fern Gagnon and the AWA were one such promotion hit hard in the sense Vince hired Hulk Hogan, Bobby Heenan, Gene Okel and Jesse Ventura, Rick Rude and Mr. Perfect from under their nose. And Mid-South Bill Watts also suffered. Jake Roberts, the Junkyard Dog, Ted DiBiase, Jim Duggan and King Kong Bundy all jumped ship. There's a dozen of these stories as McMahon won the war, which is why some of his right-hand people started to worry that a furious promoter may actually turn up in New York And create some chaos there were always rumors around that Gagne was planning to do this even though it never materialized so really wrestling swiftly transformed into the mafia obviously this would never have to be a worry now as the world has changed but back then it very easily could have gone down